tuned into The Real Rx, and today we have an amazing topic. We are five dedicated doctors hoping to speak with you about topics that are effective, topics that will help your health. Um, we have an amazing topic today. Let's have Dr. Kim Brown get us started. Hi, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of The Real Rx. My name is Dr. Kimberly. I'm an ER doctor in Memphis, Tennessee, and I help you to take stay safe, healthy, and more importantly, thrive outside of the doors of the ER. I missed you guys last week. I was out of town doing something really fun. I was uh, filming a TV show, actually, um, Untold Stories of the ER. So I'll let you guys know when it comes out. But I'm going to let my other sister docs uh, go ahead and introduce themselves. And I'm sure if you guys are watching us on Facebook Live, you see that we have a very special guest with us. So I'm going to introduce him in just a minute. But I want to throw it to first, uh, Dr. Nicole. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Nicole. I am a board-certified pediatrician, a former caregiver, a professional health advocate and the CEO of Your GPS Doc. My mission is to help patients and their family caregivers navigate the health care system. Great, thank you. Dr. Anika? Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back to share another episode of The Real Rx. I am Dr. Anika, your vision doctor, and my, your vision is my priority. Great, thank you, Dr. San. Hey, it's Dr. San. I am your board-certified obstetrician gynecologist. I am your expert in women's health, especially in maternity. Um, hey, <laughs> that's my crazy kids in the back, you know them. <laughs> <laughs> and last but certainly not least, Dr. Felicia, give us a shout out. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Felicia Sumner. I'm a board-certified family medicine physician and wellness strategist. I'm dedicated to breaking down the massive wall between doctors and patients so you can live your best life and be well, whole, energized, and loving life. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, if you guys do not already know, June is Men's Health Month. Now, if you guys listen to our podcast, which is available on all um, podcast platforms, or if you join us on Facebook Live on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, you know it's usually just the five of us women talking, key cackling, having a good time, especially after last week when we were talking about um, common medical myths that you may or may not believe in. So, but today we want to give a special shout out to the men, to the XY Yay. chromosome. <laughs> so we have a special guest with us and I'm gonna read his bio and then I'm gonna let him introduce himself. So Mr. Alfonso, also known as Kiwi Beckot, is a well-known um, guy for his willingness to give an opinion, whether it is on health, on sports, on relationships, or anything of real consequence. He was a feature character on the award-winning show Heaven, um, excuse me, web series Heaven, which still garners interest online. Additionally, he's award-winning speaker with Toastmasters and has written material for several local comedians. He has been a guest panelist on Women With Words and Breakfast with Tiffany. He's been with UPS for 26 years. And in the community, he's a godfather and is the past president of the Turnkey Reunion Community Group. He's also spent much of his life working to improve 
the lives of troubled teens and others who may have had difficulties. Regarding his interest in health topics, he's been thrust in the middle of people who are medical professionals for his entire life, and he's the guardian of a senior relative with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So, Kibi, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Real Rx and representing the Y chromosome for our audience. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It is definitely my honor. Can you just tell, I mean, I just kind of gave a whole big celebratory overview of you, but do you mind sharing with our audience kind of a little bit about yourself in your own words? Okay, sounds like a lot what you read. Um, I am definitely just a simple guy. I um, I ride motorcycles. I love to uh, debate with people about any subject. Um as you said, as you heard in my bio, I have a lot of healthcare professionals in my family. I have a couple of surgeons, some some very well known surgeons. My mother's been a nurse for about forty years, and she's been to about fifty countries doing her her nursing thing, as well as a as as a speaker. Um, I am a normal guy. I like to ride motorcycles, debate people, play cards. Uh, I'm definitely very opinionated. Uh, I think my strength on my debates and opinions are I can usually see both sides of everything, which I guess healthcare is a little different. You you guys deal with facts. So, but as far as some of those opinion-based debates, I can usually see both sides of everything. So I'm pretty much just the average Joe, I guess. I, I've worked with kids over the years, but I have no kids of my own. So it's it's interesting. My, my view on some things, not being a parent, so mm -hmm. that's it. Just a normal guy. Cool. So um, I wanted to kind of ask you, did you have any issues with your health personally? Or tell me a little bit about the person in your life that you're currently um, giving care for. Uh, okay. As far as um, my health, my health is generally good. I've, I've always been pretty healthy. A couple of years ago, in an attempt to stay in shape, I decided to do something that would keep me active, that would be less chance of getting hurt. You know, playing basketball in your 40s is not always the best thing. So I joined football league. And while playing football, I tore my Achilles tendon. So I was out of work about six months. So I did gain way more weight than I would like to from that, you know, laying around for six months with my leg up. Uh, being out of work for six months anyway. And so uh, I am right at the pre-diabetic stage. So that's one of the things that I'm not trying to cross over into that arena. Um, besides that, I was, uh, I believe I have some plantar fasciitis. I think that's how you pronounce it. You guys can probably pronounce it better than me. And I walked yesterday for about four miles. So today I'm paying for it. I have walked around like an old man, like I need a cane all day today. <laughs> um, so besides that, pretty much I'm generally help. Oh, let me go back. Um, and I also have, uh, it, it leaves me right now. I have to use the CPAP mask for mm -hmm. sleep apnea. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. So if I get any of this stuff wrong, you know, I'm, I'm the average. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, so yeah, generally, so health-wise, that's generally it. I'm pretty healthy besides those things. And um, to answer your question about as far as the healthcare part, 
uh, the caregiver part. I do have an 86 year old cousin who was the cousin of my grandmother. And when she died back about 18, 19 years ago, uh, I've been his healthcare, his provider since then. So it's been a different experience. And, um, and what I've learned is I need to be in my best health to be able to take care of him. Cause I've literally a couple of times when we had stuff going on, I've literally had to carry him down the stairs or carry him up the stairs. So when you carry someone on your back up the stairs and you breathe heavy, you realize you need to be in the best shape of your life. Very true. Absolutely. How has taking care of him impacted your own personal outlook? Are you now more prone to seek care, to have regular physicals, those sorts of things, as you were before you became a caregiver? Or were you always a person who went to the doctor without being prompted? Now, I am one who goes to the doctor regularly. When you have a mother who's been a nurse for 40 years, um, you know, she's one who, who stresses that. So I've heard that all my life. Uh, so I, I do go regularly. As far as he is concerned, like I said before, what I learned quickly, being a healthcare provider, well, not a provider, but being being his healthcare provider, uh, it it takes a lot. It takes a lot. You you actually have to be in shape. Like I said, I've literally had to carry him up or down the stairs before. Um, so you learn quick when you're out of shape when you have to carry someone a grown man up and down the stairs and things like that. And he's been pretty healthy most of his life. So kind of following his lead, drinking a bunch of water and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I go pretty regularly. Unlike most of my friends, I go pretty regularly or whatever. Tibby, why do you find in chatting with, you know, I guess guys have guy talk. Do they do yes. that? Right? Yeah. <laughs> in chatting with your guy friends. I mean, myself as a family doctor, most of the time when men are coming to see me, it's because their wives or mamas or sisters or girlfriends, you know, force them to come and be seen at the very last moment before they end up in the ER. Um, why is it that, you know, men tend to be so reluctant to get health care to check on themselves um, preventively? Uh, I can think of two reasons. Uh, one is it's almost kind of like being in a relationship. You don't want to go and have someone tell you what's wrong with you. That's part of it, I believe. And then the second part to that is once you find out what's wrong with you, it's a little scary on what, what I may have to do about it. And if you work in certain fields, uh, even fields like mine where now I drive, once you find out certain things, you, 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 actually, uh, you actually put into this box where you have to do certain things for it. Like when I was diagnosed with sleep apnea, when I have to go get my DOT every two years, and I have to get, get it every year. So it's kind of like sitting there waiting to see what the doctor's going to say. We're going to have some good news, some bad news. Uh, and one thing I think that no man wants to do, and we just had this conversation recently, so it's, it's funny that I'm on here today. No guy wants to go get his prostate checked. Nobody wants to do that. It's not fun, not anything that any guy wants to do. So I just had this conversation with some friends before, and I have some friends that are uh, probably closer to 50 who've never done it just because of how it has to be checked. And uh, none of us are interested in it. But So I think those are a couple of the reasons. 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I definitely find that um, that's a really good point, actually. I never thought of it as kind of just men coming into having to hear even more responsibility to take on when they're dealing with enough already. Um, I wonder if there's things that we can do as doctors to help encourage um, men to, to go see their doctor. Um, One thing I do believe, I think that as far as the women in your life, I think that there is a, there is a positive manipulation that you can do. So instead of just telling him what he needs to do, if you if you're if you're kind of saying some of the things that he's brought up and how you need to go to the doctor, I think it makes it easier for him to follow your lead. It might sound silly, but a lot of times when you say that you went to go get something checked out that's similar and you got some relief from it, a lot of times that will make him a little bit more willing to go and get it checked out. If you know, versus just that finger pointing, nagging you need to do this, you need to do that, that usually doesn't work, even though it's all with good intention. (laughs) Is there another way we can positively manipulate our men to (laughs) take care of their health? That's where I thought it was headed, Dr. Kim. Hey, I thought so too. I'm like, this is the real RX, we keep it all the way trill. So I just thought he was going to go gully with it. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, it's it's interesting. Some stuff that is very normal for you all, especially being doctors. Sometimes you have to give that push and just, especially with someone like you all who are in the medical field. Sometimes once you hear, you just have to make the appointment. Just make the appointment and say, "Hey, I think you need to do this." I went ahead and made you an appointment. There's a fifty-fifty chance that that's going to work, but <laughs> that's fifty percent is better than that zero percent. But I think if it was were me, and for instance, like my foot is killing me right now. So um, I imagine if someone just said, I got a, I heard you talking about your, your foot and I made you an appointment for next week, mm-hmm. I probably would You know, versus me just saying, I'll tough it out. I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny that you say that um, because, Kiwi, we just, there was a discussion in one of our uh, physician Facebook groups just a couple of days ago about the whole issue of women making appointments for men, um, not just wives and girlfriends, but there was a long discussion about mothers and mm-hmm. the doctors pretty much were unanimously annoyed by us women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they were not happy about the fact that we were calling to make y'all's appointments. They were absolutely not happy about the fact that we are sitting in the exam room while you're getting that prostate examined and I was shocked to hear that in many cases, the mothers, I mean, they said the mothers wow. are so in ridiculous. the exam room with their adult male children. So I appreciate that, you know, you mentioned making the appointment. I have definitely done that for my husband. Um, but I just wanted to put that out there, maybe see how the rest of the lady docs feel about, you know, if you, are, for those of you who are in practice, if a woman, if a wife calls or a mother calls to make an appointment for an adult male, how do you all feel about that? I think I that, that if it's your mama, that's pretty trifling. <laughs> I got a problem with that. Unless you're, you're 18 or younger. <laughs> Unless you're 18 or younger, that makes sense. But I will tell you, I recall going to a cardiology visit with my spouse 
And I remember literally going back in, back into the exam room because I'd had a really hard time getting him to go to this appointment. And once we got back there and the doctor came in, it was so funny. He looked from him to me and he said, this must be serious because she's here. And so they try to make light of it, but they do understand that a lot of times when we're there, things have already gotten pretty bad. And so we're dragging them in. I don't think he he was offended that I was there. I think he could appreciate it, but um, I think that they know that this is this is something who, somebody who may have an issue going on. They take it very seriously. I'll say from the ER standpoint, I see a lot of times um, men are there with their spouses or significant others. And I think it's a little difficult for me as an ER doctor that I'm getting all of the history from the woman mm. and like basically nothing from the man. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, can you, can you talk? Are, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I can talk. I'm like, would you like to chime in here? Cause you're the one that's sitting in the bed and in my gown and he's like, well, she knows everything. So I'm like, okay. So that can be a little bit annoying from my mm. standpoint. It's just like, well, you're the one that I'm treating. I understand and I completely value, don't get me wrong, what a spouse or a family member has to say, but there's nothing like a patient um, talking about their symptoms in their mm -hmm. own words. So I know mm -hmm. what's going on because no one else is in their body except for their themselves. So I can't, you can't describe to me, or I, the wife can't describe to me how the pain feels. Is it sharp? Is it stabbing? Is it whatever? So that's what annoys me. A little bit. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see how that would be annoying. But when it comes to these guys or the guys in your lives, as long as you get them in there, get them in there, however however it works. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it gets a little bit easier afterward. Again, I have a family full of healthcare people, surgeons, nurses, um, uh, nurse practitioners. So I have a, a family full of them. So that's all I know. But speaking to most of my guy friends, most of them only go to the doctor when something bad is wrong. Mm -hmm. First, just visits. So. I want to say something, at least from the OBGYN point. Like, I, I do understand that I only deal with women, but this is kind of funny. Um, so for whatever reason, y'all, it's the craziest thing. Women will actually bring their spouses or their significant other to the meetings with them for me to diagnose men's stuff, they do it all the time. Like, all the oh time. Y'all, it, it's wild. Because, like, I'll be oh, sitting wow. talking about their gynecologic issue, and then all of a sudden, you can tell they want to ask me something, and it will shift. And, y'all, I mean, we really were like, I've had men who wanted to drop their pants. They're like, oh. I got a bump here. And I'm like, no. Stop. No. 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 <laughs> I specifically went into no. obstetrics and gynecology so I can avoid bumps there on you. I but know, just right. feel like the, their, their spouse just feel like, no, he's not going to go anywhere else. I can't get him to go to a doctor. So I'm going to drag him in with me to my appointment and I'm going to try to get you to treat him while we're here. And I'm like, no, like, and so to answer Yvonne's question, she was like, "Will men feel comfortable to say everything with the woman pregnant?" Yes, I mean present. Yes, they do. They tell me all. I've only been driven, hurt, running, all the business, all the business, and I'm just sitting there like I just want to measure her belly. 
That's all I want to do. I don't want to talk about this. I I don't want to talk about this. So men, for whatever reason, yeah, they just, mm -hmm. we get it from all angles. Now we're going to give you a yellow flag so you can throw a flag on the play next time that happens, because that is definitely a penalty flag for the event. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. Is is that not... um... Is that not anti-gender equality? If the guy's in there, you gotta treat him too. I mean, no, I don't. Mm-mm. I'm not my patient. Mm-mm. No, I do not. <laughs> I'm I just try. I just try. I'm, I'm on the side of the game. I just try. No, I do not. I tell them to put it away. Put it away. I do not. Let me interrupt you guys here. Um, if you're just joining us, you are listening to the Real RX podcast. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, thank you so much. But if you're just catching us on the replay, don't forget that you can actually download our podcast on any platform that you like to listen to podcasts on, whether it's Google Play or Apple Podcasts or even Spotify. So I have, or we have a special guest here. His name is Kibi, and he's just a regular, schmegular, degular guy who has <laughs> really enjoyed throwing himself to the wolves here and making sure that he is talking um, about men's health with us for Men's Health Month, if you guys did not know, June is Men's Health Month, so we decided to shake it up just a little bit and have a guy join us um, to chat. So, does anybody else have any questions for him? I just want to make a quick point, um, just so Kibi and the men viewers out there are aware. There are newer guidelines that are out about prostate screening, and your doctor actually does not have to do a rectal exam um, unless you ask them to or you have symptoms that really concerns your doctor for prostate cancer. So that is actually not normal guideline routine at any point anymore. We found that we just find a lot of prostate cancers that are unnecessary to treat. You know, we're over treating prostate cancer. So it's now recommended from a lot of societies not to do that exam. So if that's the thing that's deterring you from seeing your doctor, then please don't let it be. You can go and nobody has to touch that area. Yeah, that's a great point, Dr. Felicia, because we're going to, we have for you at the end of the broadcast, a list of 10 things that men should make sure they're being screened for by their doctors. And that's why we're here because knowledge will get rid of a lot of that fear. Kibi said it himself, one of the reasons that guys don't go to the doctor, they're afraid of what they're gonna find out and they're afraid of what they're gonna have to do once they find out. So if you know what to expect, as Dr. Felicia said, you know going in, I may not have to have that rectal exam, then you're more likely to go because that fear has been alleviated. So make sure that you download a copy of the 10 things that men should be screened for so that you will know what you need to be screened for and how that screening will take place and you will feel a lot more comfortable making that appointment to go to the doctor. And another thing I want to add is, remember, I want y'all to think of going to the doctor as prevention. And I tell my women this, like when they come in, I do, it's a prevention visit. I am trying to prevent things like um, cervical cancer by doing a pap smear. I'm trying to prevent things of complications if you have an STD, trying to prevent, you know, like breast cancer and things like that. So think of that as I'm not going in there to find out something horrible think of it is I'm going to the doctor to avoid something. The earlier we catch things, the much better your outcome is. So just kind of think of it that way that just get it out of the way, figure out if there is something wrong. If you have, you know, type two diabetes and you've been 
you know, cure it or control it with diet. It's better to find out when it's borderline versus, okay, now I have full blown, now I'm ending up with insulin and all these mm -hmm. other things. So think of it as a prevention visit versus I'm just going there to find out that I'm dying on next Tuesday. That's okay. not Amen. <laughs> at nine o'clock. <laughs> I, I, I want to jump back to Dr. Felicia if I could, because that's all news to me. And I, no, no men that I know, no friends of mine are asking for any exams like that. Trust me. Once my annual um, urology visit, that's usually what he does is stick on the gloves and all that good stuff. So that's good news to know because we can stop doing that right now. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're seeing a urologist, then it's probably expected that that's what they're going to do. I've said this before. We, anybody, we, in our trade, we operate off of the tools that we have. So doctors, yeah. we immediately go to our prescription pads a lot of time because that's our tool. Urologists, they tend to use this a lot because that's their tool. <laughs> so um, if you're seeing a urologist every year, then that definitely is to be expected. Thank you, Dr. Kim, for your very entertaining <laughs> dance. Um, but when it comes to just going to your primary doctor for a regular, you know, annual checkup, that's that's not something that you should expect. And if your doctor does recommend it, um, then I think it's worth having a conversation as to why they think that's necessary um, for screening. So in labor. In layman's terms, you're telling me not to go back to the urologist. I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you to, to talk to your primary. That's what I heard. I don't know why you're seeing them, but that's between you and your primary and your urologist, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> no this more may be a good time to say our disclaimer, not only to you, Kibi, but to everyone, which is that we, none of this is medical advice, Okay. So, you know, we are doctors, but we need you all to see your own doctor for any specific recommendations, including you, Kibi. <laughs> can, can I dip my toes in the water and change the direction of the conversation for a second? Because I would feel remiss if we went through this entire conversation and did not even mention mental health for men. I think that we at least need to drop that nugget out there because our men feel even less comfortable than us going to their primary care doctor or whomever they're comfortable with letting them know that they may be depressed. And especially as we, as our men get older and they become, um, their roles change and they become caregivers and things like that, that can be a heavy burden and that burden can affect your mood. And so I'm not going to put you on the spot, Kiwi, but at least speak for the Y chromosomes and let us know as a man, what are the things that hinder you from being more open about your mental health? Uh, I think it's, it's a stigma on that. I can say I've never had to go to a therapist before, but I did go to a couples therapist uh, during a, the end of a relationship. So we went to a couples therapist. So that was the first time I ever I'd ever gone to a therapist. And what I can say from going to her, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. I thought that uh, she brought out a lot of stuff and makes you look at yourself and and really gives you some answers to some things and kind of digs into your past. So even though I wasn't going just for regular therapy, it was a couples therapy, I thought it was an amazing experience. And I think that I would advise everybody to do it. So happy to hear you say that. Did, did your partner um, suggest the counseling, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, actually, it was, I think it was a group thing. It might have been my uh, 
if we're being honest, it was actually my suggestion. It was just one of those. That's wonderful. You know, at, at the end of the relationship, you're going to say, you know, we're going to go and see, you know, get get a mediator. And um, at the end of it, you'll know what direction we need to go, hopefully. So that was really more the reason. But I did think it was an amazing experience. That's a really good point, uh, Dr. Nika, and thanks for being so transparent, Kibi. I actually just read an article about um, depression and mental illness in men, and there was a really touching story about a woman. I think she writes for a magazine. I can't remember her name, but her husband went through like a 10 to 15 year journey with depression. Well, the two of them together, and she was just sharing you know, how difficult it was, even as his wife, and struggling to get him to seek therapy and, you know, just how it impacted their relationship and they have kids. Um, so I, I think that's, it, it is something that's really important. And not only do men suffer from high rates of depression, but also um, suicide. I mean, men are much more likely to not only attempt, but to complete suicide because they tend to use more fatal methods. You know, a woman may be more likely to take some pills but a man would be more likely to like, use a firearm as an example. So I, I'm glad that Dr. Anika brought this up because it is extremely important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Dr. Felicia, uh, maybe you can speak to that. Is that something when you have men come in as your patients, do you ask specifically if they're having any thoughts um, of suicide or if they're feeling sad or if they have a depressed mood or um, as a primary care doctor, do you wait for them to, to give you that information? Oh, yes. Um, that's a very good question. Most primary care um, practices now, especially partly due to like some kind of insurance mandate, um, do screen for depression. Uh, at least once a year in anyone who walks into their office. Um, the name of that test is called the PHQ-2, the Patient Health Questionnaire 2. And so we do ask um, these two specific questions. Do you have little interest or pleasure in doing things? Um, and are you, have you been feeling down, depressed, or hopeless in the past um, few weeks to months? So if someone does answer yes to those questions, then um, we, you know, dig a little bit deeper. So our hope is that we are asking those questions at least once a year. Um, the challenge is that, yes, men tend to keep some of those feelings to themselves. Um, a lot of men, when they are depressed, they might not even recognize it as depression. Um, and that's definitely a challenge, um, but it's something that we do try to screen for. Awesome. This is a great discussion. Um, so for those of us who are, those of you who are watching us live, this is The Real RX. Please feel free to drop any questions that you may have for us or for our very special guest, Kiwi, in the comment section. But I just wanted to ask you a question, Kiwi. Um, so I am currently dating someone, but I realized that a lot of um, people may have some difficulty maybe broaching the topic with the men in their lives. And it's not necessarily just who you're dating, but your fathers, your uncles, your brothers, your cousins, et cetera. So how would be a good way for women, other men to 
start to open up these conversations, maybe with their doctor or a licensed health, uh, mental health professional, a counselor, how would you suggest maybe someone go about it? I think it's really cool that you were the one that reached out and said mm-hmm. that, hey, let's go to counseling. Let's talk this through. But how do you recommend someone in your shoes do that as well? You mean for to uh, let me make sure I understand the question. So mm-hmm. you're saying to get your your mate to seek counseling. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, if if not just your mate or any male in their life, to be honest with okay. you, they need counseling for relationship issues or any type of mental health therapy. Is there ways that you feel like in talking with your friends may unlock the door or maybe mm-hmm. unlock something in a, in a guy's mind to make them a little bit more open or willing to do that? Um, I think, again, I think sometimes, and it's, it's prob- probably unfair to put the onus on the women, but sometimes they have to take the lead and say, you know, first try to take the stigma away from it. When you're talking about, especially when you talk about mental health or therapy or anything. Uh-oh, Kibi, I think you got muted. You know? I can't hear you. There we go. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, you just got muted. Did you you mind repeating that? I said uh, another part to it is we feel like you have to take the stigma away from it. You know, as a man in, in every aspect, we try to uh, at least pretend like we have it together on, in every aspect, whether it's finances, whether it's taking care of your home, your woman. So you try to make it like you have it together and we don't always have it together. So I guess to try to find a way to take the stigma away from it and sometimes to take the lead and even go in as, in, as, a, as a group session. You know, that is that is kind of the way. Again, I've never gone just personally for myself. It was a a, a relationship specialist. But what I learned even through that definitely made me believe in it if I didn't believe in it before. Mm-hmm. So, again, a lot of times we have to give a lot of credit to the women because a lot of times y'all do have to take the lead. We may feel like we're strong and, and can protect the women. But when it comes to this sensitive stuff, a lot of times it takes it for the ladies to take the lead and kind of hold a man's hand and pull them on in there. I love that. It's almost, it almost makes me wonder if couples therapy could be like an entry point into, you know, improving the mental health of our men, you know, instead of nagging the man and saying, you're, you seem depressed. Maybe we suggest couples therapy. Um, And like you said, then you all get a feel for it. You realize that therapy isn't really all that bad. And then maybe that could be, the doorway for a man to uh, get therapy on his own. I know I want to just come in and say something, at least from like, you know, the mommy side of the whole thing is um, my husband, he's a high school teacher and he, you know, just segueing into our young men um, he's at a high school and, you know, plenty of times he has said stories of what our young men and women, but today we're just talking about men are dealing with in the home. And one Mm. thing that he talks about is some of these young men look to him to be a father. And, you know, so I'm wondering, like, you know, I guess my question is as far as mental health, you know, as, you know, as women who are, um, you know, we're out there doing the, you know, single mom thing on their own. Like, what can we as moms, how can we um, 
connect with our sons and then also connect with other men like what can we do to reach out to make sure that our babies are getting their mental health and able to have an outlet with a you know a healthy guy um like mentally healthy guy because of course you don't want um negative um influences on your child like what can we do as mothers to reach out to these men to say you know my baby is like you know he's looking for a father you know he's trying to find them in the streets he's finding them in drugs he's trying to find Mm. them in alcohol like so as far as what can we do as a mom to help our young babies with these mental health issues because you can be depressed at 13 you can have anxiety at 13 you can be bipolar at 13 um ptsd is real these kids are seeing stuff in the streets that i've never seen like it's you know kids tell you know my patients come in and, you know, it's so sad. One of my, I've had more, and I'm not going to say one of my patients, a few of my patients have come in in mid-pregnancy. Their spouse is killed. The, you know, their children's father is killed. So these kids are dealing with things that, you know, no adult should even deal with. So how, um, you know, as mothers, how should we reach out to men to, you know, help us say, you know, I have this kid, I have this son you know, he needs help mentally or even his regular mm. health. Like what can we do? Or Kiwi, is there anything you can say to single moms to help us make that connect? Or do you have any resources or programs that these moms can go to to help their young sons with mental issues? Uh, I definitely have a, I have a thought. Number one, especially from the mother standpoint, one thing that I would say anytime you're talking to your young teenager or young boy is you have to be prepared not to be shocked at anything he said. You have to be prepared to take whatever he says, whether it's about mental health, whether it's about he had sex with someone. You really have to be prepared to stay calm and get out of mommy mode Mm -hmm. and absolutely listen and let him talk. No matter how uncomfortable you are, you got to let him talk. Because as soon as you show me that you're uncomfortable or that you're shocked because I just said that I had these thoughts or I did this with this girl or whatever... Now they shut back down. So really it's more on the mother, in my opinion. And because I do deal with a lot of boys and have had to talk with a lot of boys and even work with some professionally in the past, they want to talk. But a lot of times they don't want to talk to mom because what mom wants to do is come back and give me the list of 10 things you need to not do, et cetera, et cetera. Whether you're coming from a mom standpoint, a doctor standpoint, and sometimes you have to lower it down and just be quiet. Let them talk because the more you let them talk, the more information you'll get. Yeah. As soon as you come up with that shock look, like, <laughs> oh my God. Mommy you look. <laughs> you had that girl in my house? You said what? You thought about what? <laughs> you absolutely have to, it's more on y'all than on, than on the kid. Now, as far as other men, I think you can identify men in the community who you really trust. I've had a lot of women to come to me about their sons and we do annual camping trips and different things. Unfortunately, because I have to work to make a living, I don't have as much time as I would like to, but I do know some quality men who we do take up time with the boys. And that is the difference between a man talking to a boy a lot of time and and the mothers, because they can tell us something and we're just listening and, where, the, where a lot of times mom is a little frazzled, as you say, like, I can't believe he just said that. So I think, I think that's the main thing. You really have to come out of mommy mode and let them get it out and let them keep talking and keep talking and keep talking before you go back with all your, what they need to do. I think that would be the first key. Yeah. 
That's actually really good advice. Thank you. That's excellent advice, actually. Yes, thank you. Um, six degrees of separation away, but I'm thinking about babies and then making babies and uncomfortable conversations. One that I've noticed um, and have experienced a lot as a family medicine doctor, a conversation I have somewhat frequently with my male patients is about ED, erectile dysfunction. Um, it's a topic that a lot of men, I, I believe, tend to be very hesitant to bring up to their doctor, especially if you might have a female doctor. Um, and we've been able to change a lot of lives in a lot of different ways and even help make some lives um, when we're able to address that, um, not only for the point of procreation, but also uh, ED can happen for a bunch of reasons. If your testosterone's low, if you've got heart disease, if you have diabetes, poor circulation, a number of things. And so I have a question, Kibi, when it comes to that specific topic, I'm not asking you personally, but what do you think um, could be helpful for men to be able to bring that kind of conversation um, up to their doctor? Or how can we as women encourage our men um, if that's a challenge or if your doctor needs to bring that up? And we'll allow you to wipe your brow before you answer because I'm sure you have some beads of sweat. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I think, I, I, would, I would imagine with the ED uh, conversation, that's probably one of the hardest conversations for a man to have. We already don't want you to know that we can't handle certain stuff. Now you're talking about that. The, the, the part of us that in many feels like makes us a man, you're telling me that's, you're having an issue there. I think that would be really tough to, um, I think that would be really tough if I needed to talk to my doctor about that. That would be, I don't know. That's a good But it one. happens a lot. It's a very, so I just want to even preface it for any men viewing or women of men viewing that ED is a very, very common condition. Um, so a lot of men feel like they're alone. They don't talk about it in the locker room. So everybody assumes that their friends and family, nobody's having this problem. It happens a lot more than you might think. And so um, I understand the uncomfortable position that men might be in to bring it up. Um, but is there anything that your doctor can do to encourage or ask in some sly way or for any woman to encourage their man? Or is this something that just a man has to come to himself to bring up to their doctor? Actually, thinking about it, I would think the best way is for the doctor to bring it up. I think if I would imagine if I had that issue for the doctor to go into that line of questioning, do you have any whatever the symptoms are, do you have this or that going on? I think coming from a doctor, that would probably be easier, probably than from his wife or girlfriend or whomever else. So that might be the one safe place that they can say, yeah, as a matter of fact, that ain't working so well. What can you do for me? You know, how can you help this? So um, I think direct from the doctor, I think, you know, we kind of can talk to y'all about a little bit more than you would maybe even your mate, to be honest with you. Safe place. Mm -hmm. Good point. It is. It should be a very safe place. I ask every man that question. Hopefully, hopefully you're not super uncomfortable with it, but I don't. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> awesome, guys. This is this is a really great conversation. Uh, we have a question on Facebook 
from Yvonne. And this is basically to the doctors, Dr. Felicia um, and Dr. San. No, maybe Dr. Felicia. This probably would be better for you as a family practice um, physician. Um, but Yvonne is asking, do doctors ask men if they feel safe at home or in their environments? Um, we, as of course, if we all know, domestic violence is very commonly looked at as man on woman, but there is um, still a large group of people who experience domestic violence that are men. So I'm asking Dr. Felicia and Yvonne is asking, is that a question that you typically ask their male patient, your male patients, if they're safe at home? That's a very insightful and thoughtful question, Yvonne. Mm -hmm. um, and in full transparency, myself included, most primary care doctors are not asking that question um, to men, largely um, due to what Dr. Kim just pointed, um, that we have some stigma that domestic violence doesn't tend to affect men, when in fact, it, it certainly does. Um, we ask women somewhat frequently, we ask elderly people somewhat frequently, mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to men or younger men, that's not a common question that's asked, but it's a point that needs to be um, certainly considered. Absolutely. And I will say from the emergency department standpoint, I don't think that I do a good job about asking men as well especially my patients that are coming through the emergency department that might be LGBTQ. There is a lot of stigma and sometimes abuse that happens in those relationships, but sometimes people aren't comfortable with sharing what they're going through because it's, you know, the same gender that has been abusing them. So a lot of times I, I think I miss the opportunity in the emergency room as making it an intervention to making sure that everybody is safe and okay at home as well. So I think physicians, like you said, Dr. Felicia, across the board, we, we kind of fail men at that standpoint to make sure that people are safe where they, where they reside and who they um, hang out with. Mm -hmm. Excellent question. Mm -hmm. I, I can say I'm 46 years old. I've never had that question asked. Wow. We're going to do better. Yeah. yeah. We need to. Yeah. That's what, the, that's what the conversation is for. So we can figure out ways we are falling short and what our patients need from us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we are going to wrap up the conversation. But before we go, Kibi, do you have anything else you would like to share with our audience, with the men or the women that are listening to us? Uh, I can say to you ladies, I, I did look at some of your other um, videos, and I think that you guys are doing a great job. I think it's some amazing stuff that has come up that I think has really informed some people. So I'm I'm sure it's only going to get bigger and better. I'm glad I got on early because later on I probably won't be able to get on. Nobody will know my name or remember me. But that's okay. I'll still be rooting. And uh, I'll use this and say I knew them back when. <laughs> but I think it's an amazing thing that you all are doing, and it's wonderful to see um, the professionalism that you all have. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies, do you guys have anything you want to jump on and say before we sign off? 
Well, I just want to say, guys, make sure you share this video. Make sure you share, share, share the video. Um, I think that Kiwi being here today was an amazing um, additive to our show. And especially with um, Father's Day coming right around the corner, we're trying to keep these dads here forever. Um, you know, seeing dads, you know, pass at, you know, 35, 25, 40 years old from diseases that can be very well controlled or prevented. Um, we're trying to avoid that. So definitely put this out there to let the dads know that, you know, dads, fathers, the men in your life know that, you know, we're out here, we're trying to do better. You know, the question of us asking if a male is in a safe environment, that really hit me. I, you know, I'm not in that position to actually ask that question. But that really, you know, I was like, wow, you know, 46 years. And he said that he's never been asked that question. So make sure that you share this video because we're learning from y'all the same way that y'all are learning mm -hmm. from us. So Definitely. this whole thing is a blessing and we really appreciate the dialogue and the exchange um, that we do have. And I just hope that, you know, this just grows and y'all just feel this to be your safe place to kind of unload on us and we can laugh and joke and maybe cry together but I, I have an ugly cry so I'm probably not gonna cry um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah well, along those same lines, yes, if you are on Facebook, please share this video um, with your friends on Facebook. But don't forget that we are a podcast and we are available on all um, podcast platforms. So if your dad, your husband, your cousin, your brother is cool and is into podcasts, make sure that you go find us on, like I said, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Um, and just Google The Real or look up The Real Rx and we'll be right in your feed. But we are also on Facebook Live on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time. I forgot I'm the only one in Central Standard Time. Before we let you guys go today, we want to send again a very special thank you to Kibi for joining us. Thank you so, so much. And we have a special gift for all of you listeners and watchers. If you guys go to bit.ly forward slash ERX Men's Health, Dr. Anika already kind of dropped the secret, but we have seven um, top seven screening tests for the man in your life. So these are just tests that you may want to talk about with your doctor as you progress through your adulthood and your life um, as a man to make sure that you're staying healthy. Um, please download this for yourself if you're a gentleman or for someone else and that you like. Um, and love and want to make sure that they stay healthy. So if you didn't catch that link and someone, if you don't mind dropping it in the comment section, it is bit.ly forward slash TRX men's health. And so that is going to be just a quick download. It'll come straight to your email box and you can keep it and you can take it to your doctor's appointment with you and Find out if the tests that we recommend are recommended for you from your own physician. So without further ado, if there's no further questions, thank you guys so much again for joining us for another episode of The Real Rx. And we will see you next Tuesday. Have an amazing and healthy week, y'all. Bye. 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 Bye.